Williams. It's me, Cassandra, from the Horrorcraft Podcast. And today we have on two very special guests. I have on my wonderful friend, Ruth Ann Jay, and my new friend, Natasha St. Clair. And they are on to talk about their book, Devlin House. And in Devlin House, it is a book rooted in folklore and lots of monsters and creepy crawlies that are deeply rooted in Scottish folklore. These women are out there being brazen. And that is the whole theme of today is their take on brazen folklore and being brazen as fuck, which as a former, well, and actually current badass woman, I totally approve. I know my co-hosts do as well, so sit back, relax, grab a snack, and let's cue the music. Okay, we are recording. Well, welcome back. This is the Horrorcraft Podcast, and this is me, your host, Cassandra. Um, we're a little bit different today uh, due to some technical issues, but we're we're still rocking and rolling. And... I have on one of my favorite people, Ruth Ann Jag, and I also have on a new friend, Natasha Sinclair. How are you guys? Awesome. Nice to see you again, Cassie. We're fantastic. Thanks to meet. Uh, nice to meet you, Cassandra. <laughs> oh, if you don't stumble over your words at least once on here, uh, we'll call that a wash. But you have a fantastic book that is uh, really just about to take over everything. Um, so, but before we get on with that, um, we like to ask some horror theme questions. And Ruthann went through this when we had her on um, last year. Um, <laughs> yeah, and um, so Natasha, we're gonna put you through some icebreakers. Are you up for the challenge? I'll try my very best not to stumble again. <laughs> oh, you're fine. Uh, so, um, what is your favorite scary movie? And this can be an objective answer. Uh, right now, my favorite movie, I'm going to go to the remake of Suspiria. Not because it's a scary movie, just because I love everything about it. I love the soundtrack which was done by Tom York of Radiohead is truly it adds to the whole feeling of the movie I love Tilda Swinton in it as an actress she's one of my absolute favorite actresses mm -hmm. she is amazing absolutely divine and just that again it's got that good folky witchy horror um really channels into the feminine side of horror as well yeah Suspiria the remake love it yeah, I like the remake. I think I'm the sucker for uh, the original, just obviously because of, I feel like Goblin had a huge part of that because they they did so much with Giallo, um, and I've just come to respect it so much, but that's a fantastic answer. I don't think anyone said that recently, um, but it's a great movie, and if you have not seen it, it's on Amazon Prime, so watch it right now. Um, but moving on to the next one, there's been a lot of horror TV that has come out in the last couple of years, a lot of different kinds. Um, what is your favorite horror TV series, past or present? 
Oh, that's a really tricky one because I binged watched quite a few over the last few months. Um, one that I've went back to that's fairly recent that I've gone back to a few times is The Haunting of Hill House. And I know that's hit or miss with some people, but I absolutely adore the writing. Um, I love the storytelling that each episode focuses on each character perspective and that knits the story together. Um, every time I've revisited it, I've pulled something different from it. And I think it's got some of the best monologue um, pieces as well on horror TV. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's a, a definitely a great example of good TV. I know that Ruthann is a big fan of Mike Flanagan. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and you watch a lot of it. Um, I would definitely say that I have not gotten a chance to watch Haunting of Hill House like recently. Um, yeah, so I need to watch it. But I, um, I love From, and it. I think we like a bunch of different times. Oh, are you watching the new season? Yeah. yeah, we're both watching you, it. Yes. We are. Yeah, and I have no um, idea what's going on. I love it. Yeah, from is I. I definitely say it is a definite good introduction to horror, especially if you're a horror newbie, um, because it just kind of comes out and punches you in the first fifteen minutes in the first season, and I really think it does a good job at telling a lot but still not telling too much yes Um, and it's just such a a mystery so we actually have a room in clubhouse every tuesday where we talk about what's going on with from oh my gosh (laughs) yeah and it is a a bunch of fun but yeah that's got to be one of my favorite and slasher just ended their new season um called ripper which is jack the ripper theme and it was fantastic um, so definitely go out there. No. Yeah. So I'm excited to see where from is going to take us. Um, as you can see on my shirt, I love the monsters. I think they're kind of the building blocks of horror. So Natasha. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What's your favorite universal monster, Natasha? Oh, my favorite universal monster. Hmm? That's a really tricky one. Um, I'm not sure who I would say right now. Uh, tell me who yours is. Inspire me. Tell me who yours is. <laughs> um, so I go back and forth between uh, my all-time favorite has always been Dracula. Um, mm. I'm a sucker for vampires, <laughs> literally. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, I just think there's just such a depth to Dracula that people don't give it credit for. Um, there's just so many layers. Uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon too is a new is kind of one that you know has hit me the last couple of years because when you watch it now that you're you know when you watch it as a kid you kind of feel like oh that's the monster. When you watch it as an adult you're like these people are coming in and ruining their his stuff and they have the audacity to be mad at him because he flips out. Like he's just over here chilling in his swamp and these people come in <laughs> and all the artistry that goes behind it. So that like it's that all guy, we want to do is chill in our swamp. You're right. Leave us alone. Yeah, yeah. Like, like <laughs> oh, why is he doing this? Cause you came in his swamp, bro. Like, 
you you expect <laughs> his stuff like and you expect him not to be mad like just leave him alone like they're doing too much stop touching things um but I would definitely say those um there's kind of some arguments that family opera is part of that too like the original um I don't know if I believe that but I feel yeah, like I'm not, I'm not sure I buy that either yeah, that's a whole, so, yeah, that's a different different discussion, I suppose. Yeah, he, he started out as a human, so that's where my conflict would come in with that. And not only that, he, other than the fact that Universal used it as family opera, uh, the Phantom is not a um, a villain, technically. Like, I mean, he is, no. but he is, like, I, I think we can all agree that the Phantom kind of gets the shap in the Phantom of the Opera. Like, I absolutely. He just needs I a would. bit of therapy, doesn't he? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he, he, listen, he only murdered a little, okay? It is terrible. Um, if Gerard could <laughs> be the phantom, you know, I'm behind that. I'm behind it. So, mini, mini, mini murder, mini murder. <laughs> my whole thing, and I've said this on the podcast before, like, can we just all agree that Raul is like a first rate fuckboy? Like, yes. He, he just, <laughs> and is like oh yeah we used to do all these things when we were little and oh I'm this great guy but you literally forgot about her until she became popular and now to <laughs> go and ride off in the sunset together like that man really like choices girlfriend <laughs> so but yeah I don't yeah so I would definitely say Dracula or uh Creature from the Black Lagoon but there's obviously Invisible Man again. I I don't really like Invisible Man because I kind of think he's a fuck boy too. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I'm going around just like labeling off all of these people. But um, but I I definitely would say like my core for like uh Dracula, uh creature, and then obviously Bride and Frankenstein. So okay. That's quite that's that's a pretty good classic lineup. I like that. Yeah. Um if we're going with classic uh popular monsters, then I'm going to be a wee bit generic with it. And I'm going to go with one that we spoke about really recently actually with Ruthanne and say I love the werewolf. Oh, I'm an absolute yeah. sucker for a werewolf in a different way from the vampire. <laughs> Again, yeah, I... just to go back to that, even though what um they do have that human side the majority of the time in fact it's that unleashing of everything that we repress inside ourselves and it's often depicted as a very masculine character I suppose um, but I think regardless of gender anyone can relate to that part of the wolf that just comes out all that repressed energy um, yeah so I'm going to go with the wolf. I think that's great. See, I think it's a great character. However, I just, I could not transform like that. I, I feel like <laughs> you know, werewolf in London did a great job at like traumatizing me for the rest of my life on werewolf formation. So. <laughs> but, well, maybe my thing with werewolves goes back to, um, Maybe it's some sort of core memory because my mother went into labor with me watching Werewolf in London. Oh my God. <laughs> so maybe that's why I always have that drawing back to the wolf. Who I mean, knows? I went into labor with my son watching Law and Order SVU, so I get it. 
explains my whole life trajectory with that. Uh, so I definitely think that that's a great choice. I, I distinctly remember too, there's a nurse that was like, isn't this a bit morbid while you're giving birth? And I was like, did you want me to watch Barney? While I was <laughs> like, this is fine with me. Like it, it, it's keeping me away from like thinking about being in labor because I was in labor like 30 plus hours. So I'm like, oh my if goodness. This keep, if this is keeping my mind uh, off things, we're just going to go with the murder. Okay. But the hospital <laughs> wanted you to watch your ratings only. You are PG only. Yeah. I'm like uh wrong crowd. So <laughs> <laughs> not my jam. Um, so what is your favorite horror genre? Oh, my favorite horror genre is um, probably psychological and folk and urban horror. Um, again, I say this every time I've, I'm asked these questions. I'm awful at pinpointing favorites because it'll change every time I'm asked. But psychological horror, I just you just can't beat the layers in that, the intimacy. Um, it really taps into that inner psyche and yeah psychological and then with folk and urban horror it's so deep rooted in human history it can take us all the way back to the dawn of man and uh yeah that would be that would be where I'm at I I think that's great because I always say as horror fans like I there I have different answers all the time to these questions because it could be something that I'm in the moment in or something that I rewatched at the time and realized how much like recently I watched the subspecies movies um and I had not watched those ever um and I watched all of them and I'm like holy crap like where were these I knew about these but I didn't know what was going on um so you know, I have a love for those now, but I think, you know, as a horror fan, you can constantly evolve and change. There's just so much pumped out that I don't, I don't think it's realistic to think, oh, this is going to be my favorite for the rest of time. Like it can be, but then there can also be other favorites too. So I think that's a great answer. Absolutely. It's, it's just such a massive genre, horror itself. It's such a, it's, it's so wide. Um, Yeah. I mean, you have the genre, and now the next question I'm going to ask you is the subgenre. What is your favorite subgenre? If you could pinpoint something, so like, I'll give you a um, a leading point. One of my favorite subgenres is like true crime slashers, and also I would say like vampire creature movies, but more specifically vampire or like. I have a thing for aliens. I feel like it's probably because of aliens um, <laughs> movie, <laughs> but um, but if you had one of those specific ones that you just like, you constantly drawn to, which one do you think it would be? Um, it would probably be what am I constantly drawn to? Again, it would be that psychological um, and probably the the kind of haunting ones that we can't. Ex- they can't fully explain um the bits of horror that touch on other realms that we just can't explain no i think that's i think that's great so but um okay so then what 
is your favorite horror-based music or horror movie soundtrack? Oh, horror-based music. Well, I do listen to a lot of metal, so <laughs> I suppose a lot of the music I listen to is horror-based. I almost wore my Cradle of Filth t-shirt tonight. So um, before we started recording, you were talking about uh, a piece of artwork with a nun and a crucifix. Mm -hmm. And that made me think of that t-shirt. So I listened to a lot of horror-based music. Um, Touching on what I said about Suspiria, though, although the soundtrack, if you listen to that soundtrack, on its own, you would not classify it as horror at all. But it's one of my absolute favourite soundtracks that goes along with that kind of tension in a movie like that. Yeah, definitely. Like, I I definitely think that's a big thing too with Giallo. Like, Mm -hmm. I was not very much a big Giallo person until we started this podcast. And my friend who I started the podcast with, she was very into Giallo and she kind Mm -hmm. of got into it. But music is a huge part of it. And I have a friend who's like very versed in it and he loves Goblin, loves the Giallo movies. And he's kind of like brought me in that ship with him. But I do think it's interesting how soundtracks can just amplify things because like we went and saw Rob Zombie this past summer. Like his his set was really cool because he like he showed Mm -hmm. a monsters and he does a lot of like with the universal monsters and stuff but he had Mudvayne with him and I completely forgot about Mudvayne but then as soon as I heard Mudvayne I could at least think of like four or five different movies that I had heard that in like I knew Ghost Ship right away and Uh I knew like just a bunch of different ones that they had done um but it's the power of that because like I could remember like watching ghost ship seeing that specific scene that that song mm-hmm. plays and knowing what's happening so i think that's cool and i do like that a lot of artists now are branching that together like one of mine currently is sleep token and i feel like it just itches a part of my brain that i just i can't explain um but it's I wonderful just- it has that power to transport you, doesn't it? Yeah. And it really, yeah. Um, I'm a huge Rob Zombie fan as well. I've seen mm-hmm. I've seen him on stage quite a few times and they're they're fantastic. And he's yeah. got such passion for horror. I love what he's done just as an artist as well. It's not just in his music and his image, but he's taken that to film and everything as well. He's he's living the horror dream, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he just he just thinks about things like certain songs he just kind of like with living dead girl that was popular mm-hmm. before bride of chucky but the mm-hmm. fact that that's so intricately like interwoven with bride of chucky now yeah. is insane because like when you hear it like every time i listen to it i immediately think of that like beginning like bam in bride of chucky when it's like okay this is tiffany and this is who she is and she's a murderer go (laughs) to so I think that definitely like we definitely music can definitely amplify like what already is a good story in a thousand better um so it seems to be becoming much more popular with um writers of uh, novels and short stories too sharing their soundtracks that they write to I know that Ruthann and I have both done that Mm -hmm. 
solo as well as when we've collaborated together we have shared the soundtracks that's helped build the work that we've put out and it's such a powerful creative tool again it goes back to art inspiring art as well um because Ruthann and I have done that a lot like oh you have to listen to this song does that not just make you think of this scene or oh, this is what we're going to do and it'll help get those cogs moving again or it'll help really bring a character to life character especially like what would they be listening to and how would we identify their personality through music because it's so evocative and personal and I was going to say I will never be able to hear K Seurat Seurat again oh the same God. way since from that is one of the most memorable every week when we watch the show I have to watch the opening credits because I have to hear that song in its entirety done that creepy way yeah, I perfect example. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those, like, you know, immediately that you're just like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah, there's uh, stuff coming. Going, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is going down. Um, so I mean, it definitely counteracts because, you know, from it's a mystery at its core, but it's also very visceral. Like we're talking monsters, but these are monsters that literally like rip you apart. And we're not even kidding when we're saying that, like viscerally tear <laughs> these people apart. And they then you, gut, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and gut you and all the other crazy things. If you have not, <laughs> I, if you have not heard the episode where we talk about this, my friend Angie was the one that actually got me into From. And Angie lives out by the woods. What happens in the first season in the seventh episode when all those people come out of the woods? She didn't even want to be in her own house after seeing that episode. <laughs> so um, poor Angie. But I felt the same way. I'm like, I literally texted her when I watched the first episode and you get that scene where like the, the little girl, you know, opens up the window and everything happens. I was like, what? the fuck did you get me into question mark <laughs> and she was like, just late and I literally had to call her and be like what did I just watch Angie like what what did you do what so but the counteraction between how visceral the show is and that song Kesara exactly like, I'm just like whoa like yeah, it's awesome but, it's it's ruined forever like in in the best way possible but like never we'll never think of it the same way again um so i think that's a definitely a great choice so we're talking about authors because obviously you and ruthann are wonderful authors what is your favorite horror author ruthann jackie <laughs> <laughs> i mean yes <laughs> So, I mean, whatever Ruthann has, like, uh, Ruthann's going to live forever and look like that forever. Like, Ruthann just Benjamin Button ages. Like, <laughs> like every time I see her, she looks younger and younger. So whatever she's doing, like, just keep doing it. But that affects her writing, too. So, I mean. It's about those full moons. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking packed with Satan, but, you know, that. <laughs> work <laughs> she is the immortal Natasha, Just... Natasha and I tend to dabble in some other entities and <laughs> and when you read our work you'll find out that there's worse things out there than the devil in our world um so so we have we have lots of different um 
creatures and entities and gods, as it were, that we can tap into. Um, and I'm not above a bargain. I'll tell you what, whatever it takes right about now. <laughs> I, listen, there are parts of hell that are cold. I mean, I, I, you know, as long as that's in the package deal, you know, I got nothing to oh. lose. So it's only up from here. But, you know, speaking about you guys together, Devlin's House, this book is on a whole nother level. You know, we talk about folk horror, but you guys created a whole world and a whole world around this cinematic just house and the village. And I know that you guys probably took inspiration from both of your lives. Um, but tell me the process behind this, because this to me, I mean, you guys just started from the ground up and like you created a whole entire vision. Well, I'll, I'll start because honestly, when I approached Natasha, we had known each other for a while through our writing and through some other Zoom meetings and communications and things. And when I approached Natasha, I said, hey, I really love your writing and you really love mine. I want to write a story about a haunted village, house, something. I'm not sure, but it's not going to be a typical haunted story. And the next thing was, oh, yeah, I really, really like that. Let's throw in Scottish folklore and mythology. She says to the girl who lives on a cattle ranch in Texas that didn't know bat shit about Celtic <laughs> folklore, mythology, Scottish Scottish things that go back in history, the witch trials of the 1600. So I will say from my perspective, perspective, Cassandra, we started building on an idea that we both had or that I came up with something haunted. And then she pitched in, let's do this because nobody's ever done it this way that we, that she had read. And I have to plug my buddy here. She's a historian. She's, she knows literature. She knows linguistics. I'm just trying to read constantly to keep up with her, which has in turn opened up a whole new realm and a new world for me as well, because now I probably know more about it than a lot of people that live in her neighborhood. So that was how it started for me. And I'm sure she can tell you where some of her background came in the creation of the initial idea. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so we basically started building this house. That's where we started from. We started underground. We started from bones and roots. And we started building it from there upwards. Um, we took a lot from a lot of inspiration from Celtic folklore, mythology, and um, Scottish history, because uh, that's where my my passions and interests come from, and I take inspiration from them in short stories sometimes as well. Um, for example, our main character, the Lady of the House, uh, she is very She's a guarded lot of in Um she is a Bavansi, um, which do you know what a Bavansi? Have you have you came across the Bavansi yet, Cassandra? No. Good. That was our point. <laughs> a Bavansi. So she is um a, from 
the Highland folklore of Scotland. She is basically vampiric fae, um, also known as vampiric witch. Uh, she has many identities. Uh, she has her cloven feet. She's very much uh, a seductress as well, um, who feeds off the energy and blood of those that she takes. In Delavan House, um, for the for the novel, as you know, she's very much locked under lock and key. Um, so there's much more of our lady to come. But she's just one of the creatures that we introduced in there. Obviously, we have her on Seely, on Seely Fee, and we open up the, the realm of Elfame as well. Yeah, so you yeah. did a really good job at like building that up because for me, I not really like I know a little bit but honestly and this is probably going to sound really terrible and I apologize in advance but the only like mention of like Scottish folklore that I had heard was like in Outlander and in, like a couple different things sure, with, sure. with Outlander and like I remember distinctly remember the scene where like Claire like she she follows somebody who's taking their baby who had like oh yeah carried to like go get taken by the thing and then they had the, like that whole thing and then there was like the witch trial so like I had heard of that but like I obviously could conceptualize like how that could play in because obviously I'm German and that's a huge side of my family and there's a lot of German folklore actually like mm -hmm. Krampus like everyone kind of like it's like oh Krampus is this and I was like no like legitimately if you grow up with a German Omi like my Omi passed when I was six but she literally was telling me about Krampus about this <sighs> who was going to come kill me if I was bad mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be Santa and I was whoa so like Krampus to me is like oh yeah Krampus is cool but also at the same time like Krampus might come steal my soul <laughs> um, so I imagine how that would like build up then with Scottish folklore but the, the way that you guys really build that is just genius because I don't think a lot of people would take the time to think about that. Well, and honestly, once we started, it took on a life of its own. Um, we were just so drawn into what we were creating. And every time one or the other of us would introduce a character, and I will add that we have eight pages of characters. Every character has their descriptions, their age, their position in the book and in the society, the world that we created. But every time we create a character, another piece or another part of the story, like a puzzle, would click into place. We created this character. Well, this is going to fit here. And then this is going to fit there. And for the benefit of anybody listening that might not know, I'm in Texas, Natasha's in Scotland. We both live rather rural lifestyles, but we created this all from a 6,000 mile distance. So it took a lot of conversation, a lot of coordinating, a lot of sharing of ideas, a lot of going back and forth constantly. But there were points when we were writing together in a master document and Natasha can, can back me up on this, it was like the words were writing themselves because we had given 
so much life to these characters. We had we had breathed life into them, even though they're all original characters. They may be based on some little niblet or spark from the folklore, but or mythology or actual fact in, in, in terms of the Scottish witch trials. But all of our characters are original. So when we were creating them, and this sounds really weird, but it's true, they were almost telling us the story as it unfolded. And we had so many strange things happen and coincidences and things that we would see or we'd see an article, like we had to do a great deal of research. And it's something which Natasha and I are both passionate about and that we really feel makes something like this story that you're creating from the ground up more believable we had to do a lot of research and we had names of characters. Cassandra, we were going back into these old handwritten documents. We were seeing similar names in the documents and she'd message me and she'd go, oh my God, look at this, holy shit. You know, this is like, we've got a character with this last name and look at this person, they own this company and it was just uncanny. So we keep saying that there's something driving us or propelling us and we can't put our finger on it but boy it's definitely there um so every time we would create a character another chapter would unfold or another action in the story to help tie it together would unfold yeah and I wouldn't expect anything less from you because I know like I've said this previously but when we did your interview which is actually crazy because I think it's around the same time last year that we did oh my God. Wow. I know and now we're here a year later but you are kind of like me where when you get into the core or something you are deep diving into oh, all the spells you possibly oh, can we are down girl we are in it we are yeah. in the muck of it <laughs> yeah so I can definitely tell but just that it like like you said, Natasha lives in a very rural part of Scotland. You live in a very rural part of Texas. Mm -hmm. And you can see how those merge together in such different ways. I mean, your previous stories um, kind of lend to this as well. So you can definitely tell the happy marriage between both of them because you both have your own foot in folk horror, like urban mm -hmm. horror, and you putting them both together it just creates this world that honestly, I, I have not seen anyone doing stuff like this. So- um, That's the I, best compliment we could ask for. I think our <laughs> biggest compliment has been that our readers are telling us that they can't tell where my words stop and her words start. And really for us, that is the ultimate, that we were able to blend our voices and experiences and what we wanted to get across in the story and nobody knows which one of us wrote it. And that's like the perfect compliment. It means we did our job well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is like you guys handed off each piece just so seamlessly. It just kind of works within it so well. And, you know, you guys talk about this being brazen folk horror. What would you describe as brazen folk horror for those who maybe have never heard that before? It's that's all you so she came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I would say Ruthann and I are both passionate about um, creative and artistic freedom, um, and we execute our passion for folk horror 
brazenly we don't allow anyone else to say no you can't do that you can't touch that storyline you can't touch that culture you can't touch that history we can and we will and we will do it with stern and passionate research backing everything up um so yes we are brazen <laughs> and we both love folk horror we're both deeply passionate about it passionate about every word we put to the page and we do like when we create something together it's a constant back and forth back and forth until it gets to a point when we'll be working through a piece together that we've, we've written as a collaboration and we'll pull a quote and go wow that's an awesome quote did you write that oh I don't know did you write that and we, <laughs> we lose ourselves as individuals and become this two-headed brazen sassy mm -hmm. beast <laughs> i mean i i wouldn't expect anything less especially from <laughs> knowing her but then obviously getting the pleasure now of knowing you i definitely think that that is a great way of putting it um and i i think that that's very trailblazing because i do feel like especially for women we're told a lot especially in the horror realm what we can and cannot do and I'm a big prescriber of saying, fuck that. We're going to do whatever we want. That's exactly so. it. We're audacious. We, in, in, a, in a respectful way. We, oh. we will always be respectful, but the characters that we write, we leave open to interpretation. Um, when, when, we're, when we're writing and when we're doing this, Cassandra, um, I think if, if anything service, serves us and if anything people can say about this, they've never read what we're writing before. And that's oh. our biggest, that's our biggest, um, what propels us forward is that we aren't like the others. If yeah. we're doing this, we may have researched it for three weeks prior to writing it to make sure, because there's always somebody that will call you out on a finite point or they'll want to throw their two cents in, and that's great. We're prepared to go along with it. If you've got a question or if you've got a concern, please ask us. But when you're creating something original, it, 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 it's bigger than that. And you, you, to be original in this genre in particular, I'll say as a female voice or as any voice, because the genre is currently saturated and that's a good thing. There's a lot of different voices. There's a lot of different stories. But to stand out and be truly original, you have to be willing to break some rules. And as far as Natasha and I are concerned, we don't have rules. We Neither one of us can stand censorship of any kind. We don't write to a trope. We don't write to the market. We just aren't interested in being that. And what we want to leave behind is for someone to say, damn, those girls were different. And then understand why we were different in a saturated or a competitive market, as it were. Yeah, most definitely. I, I definitely understand that and can see that and appreciate the fact that you guys are doing that. Because, uh, you know, as someone who also is a creative within the horror realm, mm -hmm. I feel like there are so many expectations for you to fit a certain box. And I think it becomes on you whether or not you're going to go with that or you're going to do something else. I know that we've had a lot of conversations in different times on, you know, where people have told us, oh, stick with this or stick with that. And I've kind of been like, no, I'm just, 
gonna do what I like. Like at the end of the day, I want to put out something that I feel is worth my time, that is worth my energy and worth my passion that I'm putting into this. Um, and when you do that, it shows. So like with this, I mean, the words are literally floating off the page. Like you can literally just like see the world just kind of unfold in front of you. Like you get such a great picture. So not going to spoil it too much for people, but if either you and Natasha want to answer this, um, how would you summarize Devlin's house? Natasha. <laughs> She's so happy right now. <laughs> Delavan House is just the beginning of a huge, huge world filled with rich, authentic characters that our readers will connect with whether they want to or not. There will be people that they will love to hate. Um, and I think even our characters that are not human, our readers will connect to them because they are created authentically, passionately. Um, as Ruthann said earlier, we've got pages and pages of all our, our character sheets and Delavan House is just a snippet of what we've created. Book two is coming, the Delavan Diaries will be coming out at the end of the year and that will be followed by the third book in the trilogy, hopefully spring 2024. Oh, we will do it before the big Glasgow convention. We will oh, have, we'll definitely have a we will have then. Definitely. Uh, I'm going to Scotland next year, Cassandra, and I've never been, but there's huge huge convention next august and we intend to have this trilogy all finished by then oh she'll I definitely know. be out by then i i know we were saying remember i'm gonna hide in your suitcase remember you're gonna <laughs> i could just hide in there and then when you I when love you get it. i love it I'll, <laughs> when you... I'll get a hello kitty suitcase or a barbie suitcase just for you yeah Lisa. yeah you, you know you just even have to get a black one and then zane can just put barbie on it yeah, and, we'll put on it. We'll Barbie it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah we'll Barbie <laughs> it up. It'll be fine. But um, yeah, I'll decapitate I, a few Barbies and glue them to the outside. <laughs> It'll keep people from stealing it. Barbie, has, like in Toy Story, <laughs> but yes, exactly, uh, but, exactly. I think she just said that so beautifully. It's yeah. it's just the beginning because we're getting ready to start on book two. I'm going to StokerCon in Pittsburgh next week. And as soon as I get home, we are into book two. We've already got notes, we've got ideas. And to touch back on our originality, we're going to go into a part of Scottish folklore where few people dare to tread. And we're, we're going to go into it with a character that I literally, sometimes Natasha and I dream our characters, and this one came to me in a dream, and it's not letting go, and we're going to create something that might shock a few people, and we love when people are like, oh, your child is so cute, you're so ladylike, and you're so <laughs> fabulously feminine, and then we go in, and Miss Cassandra, you've read our things, and we go in, and we just like to eviscerate them 
I mean, we just like to knock their knees out under them. And we've got some plans for this one because you've read Delavan House. At the end, we leave it open. There's, it's very open-ended. But but we've got some we've got some carnage. We've got some collateral damage. We've got some retribution coming. And we've also got a whole new world that's coming into it that may be a threat or it may be what's needed for Delavan House. So we're starting to flesh that all out now. Um, and literally, I, I wake up in the middle of the night. I mean, it's just taken such a big part of our lives. And I can't tell you how much it means to me, Cassandra, that you said you can see the world. You can see our village, our cursed rural village. You can see the structure of the house, which Cassandra, I mean, I mean Natasha, takes a lot of photographs. And I mean, she lives in the most beautiful place on earth, in my opinion. And she takes a lot of pictures of the old Gothic structures. And for when people say, oh, I can't wait to see what the house looks like. When is the movie coming? And I'm like, oh my God, you know, from your lips to whatever deity's ears, you know, that kind of thing. But when, when people say, and it means so much that you said, you could visualize the characters and you could visualize what we were creating and the world we're creating it in. I'll tell you, and I'm so grateful to you, it's the highest compliment you could give us because it's so difficult to do that with words. It really is. It really is, but you guys just make it so easy and in something that can be so hard, especially we're not just talking about like fantasy. We're talking about like fantasy horror that has, folklore behind it and all of these different layers and I mean it really is grounded and I'm going to call it right now there is going to be a movie like I don't know oh, oh gosh I, oh gosh I live long enough to see it oh my gosh um, I, we created an epic and one of our first readers um you know, we, 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 aren't, we aren't the type of authors that go after the likes and the reviews and the votes because we know what we're creating. And the people that are reading us know what we're creating. And we're so grateful that they're taking the time to do that. Like I say, in a very congested market currently. But we, we and I love that you pointed this out, we did bend genres. We're typically dark speculative writers by history, but we went into fantasy. And then we went into the dark romance because I will say this till the end of time. There ain't nobody that writes the juicy stuff like Natasha does. And we've even had male reviewers say, who wrote those scenes? Wow, those were so well done. I can't write them. Now I can write the execution scenes. I can write all of those really weird you know, Yeah, You know horror, like, yeah. I mean, you and Chisto and Taos can give me nightmares uh -huh. <laughs> um, and that level, but like the, yeah, definitely steamy. Um, oh. Oh. And that's how we like it. A little, you know, a little love, a little murder. It she puts a little grit in there. She, yeah. Natasha manages to get grit in there. And it's, it's, it's like, did she really just say that? And, and, and we're like, yeah, she did. Because now that you've spoken with her and you get this lilting Skyrish, Scottish accent and this creamy skin and the beautiful blue eyes and people are like, she didn't write that. And I'm like, oh yeah, she did. I had to tone it down a little bit. 
<laughs> that that is the worst part well, when you tone. Although I think I probably need Ruthann to tone me down a little something. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can say other people probably said that. Natasha, I believe that though, because I'm the same. People could look at me and be like, You and Hort, what? And I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I let's go ahead and talk about this. But yeah, I do think it just, I mean, you guys do such a great job. So you know, you kind of answered where you see this going, but I do know from talking to Ruth Ann previously um, that you guys are kind of going in a different direction as well. You're doing a Patreon with this, right? No, we're not doing the Patreon, Cassandra. We have a really comprehensive website. Our okay. www.brazenfolklore.com. We're not doing a Patreon. Uh, that's another point that people find fascinating. We are entirely in-house. Everything we do from the writing to the creation of the uh, formatting to the publishing. Natasha's a very credentialed, highly respected editor, editor. Everything we do except the cover and Don Noble is our cover artist. Everything is in-house and people can't believe that. And we started out recently and we were going to have a newsletter. Hey, Natasha, let's do a newsletter. It'll be fun. The next thing we know, we have a 30-page magazine coming out on June 21st, Solstice, that is now our newsletter that will drop quarterly. Everything we do is in-house. And trust me, we had offers to take this story elsewhere, but because it matters so much to she and I to keep the creative control. And also we have a unique situation because we can do international distribution because she is in Scotland and I am in the US. It, it's taken on a life of its own in that respect but it's also more work than most people are willing to learn to do. We've had to learn to do a great deal. Um, everything from graphics to the best way to write together. We, a lot of people ask this question. We originally started out writing, I'd write a character, she'd write a character, and then we'd combine our characters. By the time the document started to be quite long, Natasha created a Google Doc, and then we would pass that back and forth from Master Doc so that all our words would be in one place. And I'll tell you what, I'm a Mac girl, she's not. We both have somewhat rural tech, but mine's more real than hers. So every step of the way involved, I would say challenges as well as the wonderful things that came together. But I will say this, going forward, we've got this. This there is there is no stopping this 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 brazen business. Now. We we've got all the stars that show what we've done in the past year and a half. Yeah, no, and I think that that's fantastic because I do think that it's good to have control of what you're doing because you know even though getting it distribu distributed in different ways. Like I know just for us here, like doing the stuff with the podcast and stuff, it could be very easy to, you know, bring people in and we've done that before and stuff, but having your own stamp on it and making sure that this is exactly what you want, that's huge. And especially with you guys building this world, that's key. And that magazine is awesome. Um, just for the sake. I will send you one. This is our first quarterly one, and we've got quite a lot of interesting things in it. 
But this is what happens when we talk about doing a newsletter. The next thing you know, she's creating graphics. And then we're talking about, well, it's going to be too big to send through an email. And then you end up with pages and pages and photographs. And yeah, this, sure this, is the, this is the brazen story of Ruthann and Natasha. One of us gives an idea to the other one, and then the other one goes absolutely nuts with it. And then the other one throws an idea back, and it just grows arms, legs, tentacles, and a whole world grows from it. But it's been so much crazy fun and writing together as well it's really something I didn't envisage I'm a complete introvert I would never ever share any partially uh, partial creations with another person not until I had finished it and was happy with it but writing with someone in such a raw level is so it's so intimate and Ruthann has said this before it's like a marriage I mean we speak yeah. We speak reg like every single day, um, often book and story and idea related. It's having that other creative mind to bounce off of. I, I thought I couldn't handle that kind of friendship with someone else or that kind of working relationship. But you really get a buzz off each other and it really helps drive ideas and story along and um, we love to keep in touch with our readers really closely as well I think that's one of the reasons we like to maintain such control over Raisin Folk Horror and what we put out because readers can contact Ruthann and I directly through our website or on the socials and they know that they're speaking to me or Ruthann mm -hmm. so the responses they're going to get will be completely personal and a hundred percent us it's authentic just like the stories that we want to tell as well um or quarterly so people can sign up for that on our website on our newsletter page be brazen with us <laughs> um so that launches on the 21st of june on summer solstice and then two weeks later it will be available in print form for anyone to purchase worldwide and Ruthann and I will always have it at events with us as well um, but it's full of features that directly relate to collaborating together um, the writing and publishing industry our characters what we're doing what events we're going to um, just loads of stuff stuff that we hope our readers want to see and will enjoy well from from what people say that is what they want because one of the biggest things i just did the big author con in williamsburg virginia last night which was my first physical event and it was mind-blowing and overwhelming and no i would say the question i asked the most is how did you do this what inspired you how did you get started how do you write with somebody i was on a panel for collaborative writing um, it's what other authors and especially readers want to know. Everybody's got a story, but nobody really knows the process of getting it down. Or how do you organize your thoughts so completely that it does tell a story and it's just not random thoughts on a page. And we're kind of touching on some of this. If you go to the website, there is a lot of character development because we did a making of while we were writing the story, which was very interesting. And once again, it's something we haven't seen somebody else do. Uh, I will say that now there are other people trying to do something similar and that's great. 
but we decided that we wanted to tell people what was going on while we were writing it. And that's had a really wonderful response for us too. And like I say, we're getting ready to dive into book two and we will continue doing some of that, but we wanted to be able to write more in-depth actual articles um, rather than just, you know, a few paragraphs for like a blonde, which also goes to our Goodreads, our personal websites as well. Um, so this way it gives us another platform for people to pick our brains and for people to connect with us. Because uh, above all, what we want is we want readers. We want our loyal readers. If you choose to review us, we're grateful. We love you. Thank you. But we want you to read our work and we want you to love what we're doing. So the more we give you and the more we can invite you into the world we're creating, even while we're creating it, the more interesting it becomes. Um, and then you want to know what happens. You want to know what's going to happen to these characters. You want to know, is the house going to survive at the end of this trilogy? Are the, are the characters, I mean, is the village damned forever? That's some of the questions that I was getting at the convention. I'm like, why am I going to tell you that? You know, it's kind of like when you watch one season of a show and then you want spoilers, but there really are never spo any spoilers. So I would give just enough like, well, this is the date that we're going to release book two. And what is it you particularly want to know? Maybe I can give you a little nibble of something to go on. Um, so I think when we say we call it seductive Saturday and we don't mean boobs and butt seductive, although we love that too. We mean <laughs> We seduce you with our words. We're seducing you with what we're creating. So we do hashtag seductive Saturday updates that let you know where we are in the process, where we are, what we're doing. Um, and it matters. I, I, I think a lot of people do notice it because we've had people approach us that we didn't even know who, know who we were. And they're like, oh yeah, Delavan House. And when I was at the convention, I was shocked at the people that came up to me because Cassandra, it was just a herd of people. I mean, there were hundreds of readers, dozens of authors. They'd walk by my table. They'd go, Delavan House, love it. Love what you girls are doing. And I'd be like, oh, did that person just say that to me? Um, because it was probably somebody that whose work I really admired, but I really hadn't gotten to meet or anything yet. Yeah. So what pleases us most is that people are paying attention. And that's what we want, because if you'll pay attention and you'll give us a chance, we're going to try to pull you into something that hopefully leaves you a little bit breathless when you're done reading it. I mean, most definitely. And I think what's great is the fact that you guys are unapologetically building this world and unapologetically being yourself as women and being like, listen, you can have whatever feedback you want, but this is what we like doing. And this is what we're going to put out. And if you don't like that, that's fine, but that's not going to oh, stop us. Oh, so, well. Which I think is very important because I do think we've gotten to a period of time with all the horror content that's coming down that people just love to tear certain things down. People oh. are just waiting for that pitchfork. They're waiting for that moment. And especially if it's somebody going in a different direction than what conventionally is thought of. So- I do think that this is something that's definitely going to have a lasting effect. And I'm grateful to both you and Natasha for putting this forward, because I think that's what horror needs is more strong women, more strong women authors, 
more strong women podcasters um Mm -hmm. that horror has been a gentle kind of um space for women in horror but I think this is the time where we start pushing it and making people uncomfortable um and I love that I love that and you what you just touched on the other part of women in horror is always the final girl scenario um or that they're the victim or that they're you know the the corpse that's left you know that kind of thing we create a lot of strong female characters but our female characters are vicious we don't play around um and natasha and i having both of us written for about three years we've had all the rejections i mean i could have papered a wall with them at one point no more but i had a lot of rejections so I think even though we pay attention if someone has something negative or we have gotten a couple saying, well, the story jumped around a little bit for me. Okay, well then Natasha and I decided at the beginning and she really pushed for it. And now I'm a big fan of not writing in a linear linear pattern. In other words, there's not, you don't go through, here's where it starts and here's where oh, it ends. Oh, and I love that. I absolutely See, love it. I, I, we value that so much. Yeah, I, I like that because, you know, and a great example of that is, especially now that season two, uh, season three is coming out this month, but um, when The Witcher first came out and they were doing that, they were jumping around um, and they were different parts. I feel like that added so much to the story. I feel like if they had done that just literally, I feel like it would have just been a mess. Um it would have fallen a little flat because it would have been kind of predictable yeah what we don't want to be is traditional or predictable so by taking introducing a character and then taking you back and you know a lot of people say well that's what's the term for it it's literary exposition where you take someone back in time or you go back into their past or something and it has to be done delicately because it can also bore people and confuse people but that way we're setting up each of their characters and giving them a little bit more depth than we would be able to say or show if they were just in a scene and then what happened at the next scene. If you go back a little bit or even forward sometimes, you're creating more of a true range of emotion, I think. And that was very important to us, especially with the couple of the characters who are obviously damaged characters as it were. Yeah, and I think that does add so much more because Mm -hmm. if we're just seeing it through this lens at just this point in time, then we're not getting the full, I think what makes the best stories, and I agree with you about female characters, female characters can be just vicious female characters, and you can see the process behind that. Um, I actually have a t-shirt that I have that I will need to show you a picture of, but it says make villains great again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think the, the reason why people attach so much to villains is because they are these flawed people that very clearly aren't good or bad. They're just in between. And it's what teeters them one way or another that makes them who they are. Um, I think so we're, all, we're all in that position to a yeah. certain extent though. I've always had that conversation with my husband that, that given the right circumstances, all of us have an, a built-in system to go to the dark side. I always say it's with my grandchildren or somebody that I love, you know, that kind of thing. 
do not mess with anybody I love or I am capable of anything. And I know I am. And it actually kind of scares him a little. Well, you know, you'd have to think about this. And I don't know if I could do that. And I'm like, you don't understand one word and it's done. You know, and it's not in a vindictive sense. It's just that like you said, bring back the villains, bring them back. Don't hold them back with that. Let them do what they need to do because like, and you, you, you know, in Delavan House, one of our main victims is that way because of what was done to her. So there is sometimes that retribution or revenge, but also sometimes it triggers a strength. And, you know, you were talking about like the creature from the Black Lagoon earlier and that type of thing. You know, you can talk about a lot of the classic quote unquote monsters, but there was something that pushed them to that point. Yeah, like Maleficent. I just watched Maleficent again. And um, I'm really glad that they did it in that version because it shows you, yes, did Maleficent do these bad things, but it was also because this happened and she really- hard at trying to be a better person once she really like we see the fact that like once she really gets to know Aurora and she gets to kind of love her and uh care for her we see how she just wants to break this curse that she realizes what she's done and I do think it's somebody's emotion it's a fine line between whether you're going one way or another and I think there are times where you need to be a villain I I say this a lot um, especially personally, but you're you're the villain in somebody's story, and if you're not, then you're doing something right. Exactly. Uh, I don't. I don't have a problem with it. And like you were just saying, I think of one of my favorite movies, which is Bram Stoker's Dracula, and his his the humanity of the quote unquote monster that he was trying to be attached to Mina to bring that out, to have somebody that allowed him to feel human again. And I think that's the classic trope of a villain as it were. But when we write, especially our female characters, we like to assign unique attributes to them that you don't know which way they're going to go. In other words, this could trigger them that way or this could trigger them this way. And I think that duality is where you have a fascinating villain, as it were, that we can all relate to because we're like, oh, yeah, I could kind of do that, too, if I was provoked, that kind of situation. And I think that's that's the fun of it. That is the absolute fun of it. Yeah, I think that that's great because I, I think that people forget such facets, especially women in horror can have. Like there are there is the possibility for that person to be the villain, to be the person the whole entire time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's great. So Natasha, where can we find Dollhouse? Where can you find it? Yes, where can can our readers read it? (laughs) Uh, You can can find it from any um, of your favorite online bookstores. We have it in ebook format. We have it in hardcover, which is really sexy, and we have our paperbacks as well. You can also pick it up direct from Ruthann at any of the events she's attending this Mm -hmm. summer and Glasgow next year. And you can pick it up from me at any of the events I'm attending too. They're all listed on praiseandfolkhorror.com. Yes, and 
the links for all of those will be in the description of this episode, as well as some of the things that we've talked about. Um, there are some websites as well that I have earmarked um, that dive in to Scottish folklore that I found. Um, so I will put that in there if you are interested. And as always, we will definitely keep up to date with Natasha and Ruth Ann. Um, I mean, as Ruth, Ruth and Ann and I can't go without talking for a month. So <laughs> we'll always know what Ruth Ann's doing. Uh, but Ruth Ann and Natasha both and definitely seeing how that progresses. So if you are were at StokerCon, because by the time this episode comes out, StokerCon will be done. Uh, but and you didn't get the book, head over to their site, get it right now. I'm telling you, I said this to Ruth Ann and I mean this, but this is probably my favorite collaboration of 2023. And that is saying something because Ruth, as Ruth Ann knows, last year, my favorite collaboration was our friends Taos and Healy. Um, wow. doing the yeah. And um, those guys were some sick fucks. I'm just going to say <laughs> that. Uh, they, that was some real nasty stuff just stuff um but they're they're both wonderful writers chisto and mark are fabulous oh fabulous and the the same way they kind of cohesively did it together Mm -hmm. and but this is on a whole other level like that book was building on such a different pace you guys are building a whole entire fantasy genre um and so i would definitely say that they're I don't foresee anybody making a collaboration better than you guys in this year, like hands down. Thank you so much. <laughs> so thank it, you. Meet the world. It really does. Thank you. Well, it really does. Oh, thank you, Casey. I wouldn't say it if, unless I didn't feel it. And yes, <laughs> Natasha. Oh, I thought, sorry, Natasha. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, uh, so please go check them out. I'll have both of their websites listed down in the description below as well and keep up to date with them because like they said this is just starting and this is going to become a whole thing and like I said I'm going to say it right here on the podcast this is going to become a movie I guarantee you guarantee you somebody is going to get their hooks in this uh soon enough so um you hear it now a couple years from now when it happens I will be able to say that I predicted it no Uh, you you will be at the premiere with us yeah (laughs) <laughs> well, um, and, and I, we, we'd love it and we'd love to chat again in november when the sequel comes out the delivery okay. diaries will release in november and it's gonna be a monster we're even more excited about it than book one because now we've got the framework laid and like i say i've got a character and natasha knows there ain't nobody that's done anything like this character and it's going to push the limits. And we are so excited about the story we've still got to tell. And thank you so much for having us. It's always, it's always wonderful to talk to you. Um, You're one of my personal favorites Um, and enjoy your vacation and we'll talk again. soon. Yeah, definitely. So um, if you're listening to this, I already went on vacation. I already, uh, my brain came back and I am a full person, so yay, Um, but definitely check everything down below, and um, as I say always, uh, thank you both for coming on, and
It's me, Cassandra, from the Horrorcraft Podcast, saying stay spooky and stay cool out there because it is a hot one. Um, but until then, bye. Okay, hold on. I'm going to end the recording. Natasha, didn't I tell you she was fabulous? <laughs>